stream. We are dreamed into existence. What we do with that dream is up to us. This is Stream. I am Jessica Deruta, and I share with you my stream of consciousness. You may find Stream on my blog at trustpsyche.com and on my YouTube channel, Jessica Deruta. Please take what serves you and leave the rest. Let us begin. How we dream is as important as what we dream, for the what of the dream knows itself through the how. Today is Mother's Day, and Mercury has moved into zero degrees Taurus. I want to share with you my stream of consciousness as it came to me as I was awakening from my dream state this morning. You ever have that experience where you wake up and it feels like this download is coming into your being, thoughts coalescing that have been stirring inside of you for days or months or years? This morning was one of those mornings for me. And the first thought that moved through me was what does it mean when we say the word, the world? What does it mean when we say this is what's happening in the world. What's happening to the world? What's going to happen to the world? And my first thought is, whose world? Whose world are we talking about? When we say the word, the world. Or when we ask questions about the world especially when those questions have to do with what does the world mean? What is the meaning that we're making out of our world? Today, I wanna to ask a lot of questions, and then I wanna share some thoughts that come up in association when I ask those questions. I want to look at these questions from a couple different vantage points. One will definitely be the astrological perspective through the lens of astrology and world transits. And then another will be through the lens of the psycho-spiritual journey of being born, of living, and dying, which is so much of what the human experience is about. First, I want to go into why I feel that talking about the world ending or presenting a apocalyptic vision in the modern sense of doomsday or cataclysm 
feels to me to be one of the most unimaginative colonizations of the mind that comes from a short-sighted and ultimately unethical position that I hear all kinds of people talking about every day, whether that's astrologers predicting the end of the world or astrologers predicting that a certain day the sky is going to fall. On this day, the sky is going to fall. On this day, we are going to see a lot of horrible things. On this day, brace yourself because it's going to be bad. Let's back up a little bit and sit in meditation and contemplation around what happens in any given day on planet Earth. Today is May 13th, 2018. And when I look at the world transits for today, and I see that there is the Sun in Taurus opposite Jupiter and Scorpio, I see that Jupiter is trying Neptune really tight in Pisces. I see that the moon is in Aries, tightly conjunct Uranus within two degrees, and then it's also conjunct Mercury that's just moved to zero Taurus. I see the Mars-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn. And I see Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn. When I sit and I take in this chart, the astrological uh, moment, naturally my curiosity goes into, what does this mean? wonder what's going to happen today. I wonder what these energies are going to correlate to. And yet, when I'm asking that question, what does this mean? I want to ask, what does what mean? Just as I want to ask, whose world are we talking about? I want to ask, whose meaning are we talking about? What does it mean when we ask the question, what does this mean? Because the more that I sit and think about it, the more I have no idea what that question even means. What does this mean has no meaning for me. So let me bring in a couple things for reflection before we go into asking what does this mean and whose world. Today's chart that I just described is going to be the birth chart for approximately 353,000 people. Today alone, the crude estimate of how many people are going to be born is a little above 350,000 people. That comes out to about 255 births per minute. Now, when I say those numbers, I mean they feel like numbers because that's very difficult for my consciousness to take in. That in this one minute, around 250 births are happening. And that today alone, 
several hundreds of thousands of people of souls are going to be born into this realm, this human realm on earth. So this chart, more or less, is going to be hundreds of thousands of people's birth charts. And yet, it's also going to be around 150,000 people's death charts. Today alone, around 150,000 people are going to die. That's a little over 100 people per every minute. So in this same minute that I've been talking about the 250 births, about 100 people are going to die. So I just want to take a moment and see if we can just breathe that in a little. To see if we can just sit and feel into holding how many people in this very moment are dying and being born. portal and that passageway of entering and exiting this realm is always open. And so on Mother's Day today, with motherhood and the maternal instinct deep inside of me, and I believe inside of all of us in our own ways, I want to question how it is that any one of us, especially astrologers, could ever predict that today is a day of apocalypse or today is a day of joy. Because as far as I can tell, today is a day of every single thing for every single person. And it's going to be uniquely what it is for each person. Every chart that has ever existed is a birth chart. And for every single one of those birth charts, it has also been a death chart. There is no birth chart and there is no death chart in that there is no birth, there is no chart that relates specifically to birth, just as there is no chart that specifically relates to death on the individual level or the collective level. It is much more interesting to me 
to live in a world that can imaginatively hold the complexity of truth that every moment means something different to every person irrespective of what the astrological correlates are for that given moment. Then to look at a chart and proclaim with any amount of authority or power, which is what we are inescapably doing when we are astrologers, because not only are we proclaiming something which just naturally carries a power behind it, but we are doing so in the name of God. Because astrology, being a reflection of the cosmos and the heavenly bodies, is one of the closest forms of relation that human beings have to the divine. And astrologers, whether they like it or not, whether I like it or not, are seen as mediators to the divine. That we are interpreting the will of the divine is essentially how it's experienced by the majority of people in the majority of moments. So when we proclaim that the sky is going to fall on a certain day, or we got a brace for that grand cross, not only do we instill fear and paralysis into people, imprinting a certain thought form onto that day or leading up to that day or that person's experience, we naturally cancel out the divine in all of her forms. Because we are no longer available to be present in the present moment to take in what actually is happening. Now, I want to go back to whose world? What is the world? For me, there is no one world. I think we really get a sense of that when we travel. I know that I did. Last year, I was in Asia. Um, specifically, I was in Indonesia on a couple different islands there. And I met this lovely man named Gede on, uh, on Gede Island, actually. And Gede uh, knew enough English that we got to have a conversation my husband and I did with him for several days. And Gede was one of my favorite parts of the trip uh, because Gede was um, originally from Bali, but lived on Lombok. And so Bali is the only uh, Hindu practicing island and all the rest of the islands are um, the majority Muslim. And so Lombok, you know, the I think is somewhere around 10% Hindu and then 90% Muslim. And so Gede and, and my husband and I were getting into this conversation about God and Gede was asking us all these questions about what we thought about God and then we got to ask Gede back. And, you know, Gede said, you know, 
I have no problem with the Muslim religion. I have no problem with any religion. In my religion, all the religions have a place, are real. You can have it. You're free to have whatever you want. But in their religion, my religion is wrong. Because in their religion, they believe in one God. And in my religion, I believe in many gods. And yet, in my religion, my many gods can hold that they can believe in one God. And that makes sense to me. And the conversation went on. And then G'day said, well, you know, I explained to him I, I was an astrologer. And he just loved this more than anything. And, you know, I... I was so blown away. He knew all the names in English of the planets in the solar system. And so he, I said, okay, may, can you name them in order? And he did. And this was just so cool for me. I mean, at this point, we were weeks into the trip. I was definitely missing home. Um, definitely had bally belly at this point. It was feeling really sick. And I was just like, oh, wow. Yes, something, something familiar that I can talk about. And he said, I had to ask you one thing. How does the rain come down from the sky? Now, I'd never been asked this question before, especially not as an astrologer. And I realized, ah, because he sees me as studying the sky, I must know why the rain falls. Now, Travis, my husband, is much more of a thinking type and, um, you know, intellectual in the, in the, in the more traditional sense. So he understands science a lot better than me. And I said, no, like good day. I'm going to let Travis answer this question. So Travis explained to him about the clouds formation and precipitation and what happens. And good day. I was like, wow. He's like, thanks. I always wanted to know that. And I think it hit me in that moment more than ever, which is the world that I live in is not the world that G'day or so many other billions of people live in. And so when I'm sitting over here in America in my room, talking about the world. Honestly, in this moment, I feel, how dare I? How dare I talk about the world? As if there was just one world to talk about. Now, I don't think that means I can't ever talk about my world or the worlds that I see and the work that I do with my clients or different worlds I see so long as I can do my best to remember that that's just one fraction, that's one small piece of, quote, the world, which, you know, in the, there's many meanings of the world when you look up what's the meaning of the world, you know, including, it includes all people, it includes all nations, it includes all societies. Yeah. Yeah, that, that world exists too. 
But it's so incredibly important for us to remember that that world is made up of individuals and individual experiences. And that those individuals might be having the absolute best day of their life or they might be having the absolute worst day of their life. And to take it even a little further, you know, I want to say they might be having the best day of their life because their child or their grandchild was just born. But you know, for some people, that's the worst day of their life. Because if that child wasn't wanted, or if that child came out of rape, or if that child in some way comes in a moment that feels just absolutely impossible for that person, that day might be felt and experienced as the worst day. And the same goes for death, right? Sometimes you can say, oh man, that must have just been the worst day of your life when that person died. Well, for some people, that's the best day of their life because sometimes death is freeing. Death can be freeing when the person that died was someone that caused us so much pain and horror while we were alive that when they die, we finally feel free. Feel free to be, to think, to feel things that we couldn't before. Or maybe that person has been suffering from a terminal illness for a decade and we watch them suffer in pain every single day and them dying was them finally being freed from that pain and being able to go home. So I don't know how we could ever begin as people or as astrologers to predict what's going to happen on any given day, let alone place a value judgment of what that day is going to mean, whether that's for an individual, a group, a tribe, a nation, as if there was one nation, as if there was one United Nation. You know, living in the United States, it's so clear to me that there is no one United States. What I think of as the United States is not what my neighbor thinks is the United States. Most of my neighbors watch Fox television and are diehard Republicans. They live in a very different United States than the one that I live in. So my point is, is that I just want us to begin to challenge both our assumptions and verbiage around the world, but more so our prophecies about what's going to happen on any given day from an astrological perspective. And then even more deeply, to remember, to remember that every chart is a birth chart and every chart is a death chart and every chart is a chart that's a wedding chart and a divorce chart. Right? And so we remember, right, right, 
These energies aren't causal. They're correlative. But they're correlative to a wide range of human experiences. And so what I'm most interested in as a counseling astrologer, working with people every single day, is tell me what's happening in your world. What's happening in your life? What's your growing edge? What are your challenges? What are the amazing things that are happening? What do you want to have happen? What do you wish would happen? What do you fear is going to happen? And let's work with that. Because every single one of us is always one end of the relationship that we're in, no matter what that relationship is to or with. Whether that relationship is with another person, our partners, our parents, our children, our friends, our family, whether that relationship is with the divine or a group of people or an idea, we are always one end of that relationship. And that is the only part of the relationship that I know we can take responsibility for, that we can stand in a place of responsibility for our experience in the infinite amount of relationships that we find ourselves in in every single moment. So I want to move into meaning. You know, what what does this mean, right? When we look at, for example, um, the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Well, what does this mean? What does it mean for who? I want to challenge that question. When we ask that question, who's, first of all, asking the question? Someone comes to me as an astrologer and says, well, what does it mean that Saturn-Pluto is going to be in a conjunction from 2018 to 2021? Well, what do you mean? What does it mean? What does it mean for you? Like on a personal level? What does it mean in relationship to your work? What does it mean in relationship to your family? What does it mean in relationship to this divorce you're going through? What does it mean in relationship to your father who's dying? What does it mean in relationship to your niece that was just born? What does it mean in relationship to how you're going to participate with life over the next three years, right? So just as every chart is a birth chart and every same chart is a death chart, so is every personal transit, right? So every single personal transit we go through is a transit where a birth can happen or a death can happen, right? So there are no transits that specifically correlate in a one-to-one way to birth or death. And yes, Uranus relates to the archetypal energy of rebirth, awakening, and new beginnings. And Saturn archetypally relates to endings, death, and finitude. And yet death and birth are perspectives that we hold. Because from one side what appears to be a death or a dying from the other side appears to be a birth. And so we can't actually ever separate the archetypal energies of Saturn and Uranus, whether we're talking about a death or, or a birth. And I'm, I'm talking about literal death, like actual physical dying, actual physical being born. And I'm talking about the um, spiritual deaths and births that we go through in the course of a life 
psychological deaths and births that we go through in a life. I'm talking about all the deaths, deaths and all the births. And so I want to I want to read something here from the book The Grace in Dying by Kathleen Dowling Singh. I really treasure this book. Um, it's absolutely um, filled with so much wisdom and heart. And this um, woman, um, Kathleen Dowling Singh, was um, a, a midwife for people in the dying process. Um, she's actually from Florida, and she sat beside and with people for many, many years um, as they were often facing terminal illness, whether that was at a young age or late in life. Um, so cancer often or AIDS and you know she wrote this book um, and really goes through the psycho-spiritual stages of dying and all the different things that come up and so in, in one part of the book um, she actually um, quotes Stephen Levine who also did a lot of work with death and dying who died recently I believe last year in 2017 so to ask Stephen Levine's provocative question who dies it is because you believe that you are born that you fear death. Who is it that was born? Who is it that dies? Look within. What was your face before you were born? Who are you in reality was never born and never dies? Let go of who you think you are and become who you have always been. Now, that provocative question of who dies is provocative because in order to get to the place, I believe, of letting go of who we think we are to become who we've always been is, first of all, a lifelong journey and lifetimes long journey. But what I realize more and more as I get older is that I was never taught how to be with my pain. And I was never taught how to feel my pain. No one ever taught me that. And so I, I imagine that that's probably true for a lot of people, um, especially in the Western world and in the American culture um, in, you know, in contemporary times. I think that death and dying, pain and suffering are things that we are not particularly well versed in or skilled at or have a lot of resources around. And so um, because of that, I think it, it because we have difficulty, first of all, being with pain, fear and loss and our suffering, um, we have a really difficult time with being with death and dying. And so what often happens is when we are afraid of something because it's unknown and unfamiliar we tend to contract um, the same goes for giving birth right if, if a woman is not educated in the natural processes of birth then when the birth process begins to take place there can be a lot of fear around what's happening with the body and that fear creates a contraction and the contraction creates a resistance and when we resist we usually cause um more unnecessary suffering. And so um, the same would be true for dying. Um, I, so it makes me actually want to read uh, one other section of this book um, around the Four Noble Truths, and the first one being the First Noble Truth. 
And so it said, The first noble truth, the truth of suffering, is quite simple. Simple to say, that is, not so easy to embody. The first noble truth is that suffering exists. Birth is suffering. Aging is suffering. Sickness is suffering. Death is suffering. Sorrow and lamentation, pain, grief, and despair are suffering. Association with the unpleasant is suffering. Disassociation from the pleasant is suffering. Not to get what one wants is suffering. The first step on the path of truth is experiencing what is in the present moment. The place to begin is the place where we are. We suffer. In our contraction, we suffer. Hidden and alone, behind the boundaries we create, we suffer. The artifice of the mental ego works hard to keep this truth from consciousness. So for me, when we ask, what is the meaning of life? I refer to a bumper sticker <laughs> I saw very recently, which said, the meaning of life is to live it. So for me, it's the journey of owning life and what happens in it. That to live a connected life, even in the face of our own death and dying, whether that's a psychological death and dying, a physical death and dying, a spiritual death and dying, an emotional death and dying from a relationship ending that meant so much to us for so many years, whatever it may be. The point of life is to stay connected and to live it. And that's a really hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to embody. Because when we feel pain or we feel discomfort or we feel fear, the natural tendency is to shut down or to withdraw or to get small or to contract. And I think the more I think about it, the people that I admire the most in older age are the ones whose hearts are still open. Because this world sure as hell does a lot of things and has a lot of things in it that can make one close their heart. And I, I know that in my own life, I get presented <laughs> with so many opportunities to either close my heart or work to keep my heart open and it takes work it takes work because to be human means to hurt to be human means to be in pain to have loss and to have fear it is hard to be here i remember just i think it was like last week or two weeks ago I was breathing and I was doing that human thing where I was aware that I was breathing <laughs> and I thought whoa I have a lot of more breaths to have before I die and I just feel like I can't breathe through one more like it's just 
to breathe one more time feels like too much. And then um, that moment passed and many other moments passed. And now this moment I'm thinking, hallelujah, I love breathing. I want to breathe as much as possible. I think this is absolutely amazing. And I think it's so fascinating. And I think that what I was feeling last week is what is part is part of what makes this so fascinating to be here. So to return back to the word apocalypse, you know, originally apocalypse in Greek meant an uncovering and a revelation. It's a vision or an insight. So, you know, to, to, to have an apocalyptic vision is to have a revelation right? But in modern terms, it means a cataclysm, a, 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 a catastrophe. And so to come back to why do I think in the modern sense an apocalyptic vision is unimaginative, colonizes the mind, is short-sighted, and ultimately unethical, so please stop saying it already, is because human experience is infinite in every moment, which is also infinite. And I would really, 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 really appreciate it if we could all start doing our part. And I'm talking to myself here to make more room for that. Because for me, that is a much more worthwhile journey to be on than one that has a single agenda or a single mission in mind or a single interpretation of whose world we're living in or what it means to be here. Thanks so much for listening today here on Mother's Day. This is Stream, and I am Jessica Deruzzo. Uh.